You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's going on, you guys? Hope that you are doing well this week. We are in part five, the final part of our series, Life in Exile. We've been walking through key moments through the book of Daniel. Last week, uh, we talked about King uh, Belshazzar's interaction with Daniel, some writing on the wall. It's a crazy story. If you didn't hear that, go ahead and check that out from last week's pod. You can also get caught up on everything that we've done uh, over the last several years on the podcast. So if this is your first one, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, there's lots of content to get back to and listen to. So we're going to be wrapping up the series. And uh, last week when he when Daniel interacts with Belshazzar, this, that's the second king of Babylon that he is a part of his court. And this week we're going to talk about a third king that Daniel, Daniel has some longevity. Um, and he's going to be with King Darius now, the king that takes over after Belshazzar. So we're going to wrap up the series about talking the most, about probably the most widely known story about Daniel. If you grew up in the church or even if you didn't, you've probably heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den. If you haven't heard the actual story, you've probably heard it referenced. This story is crazy, and it's undeniably about how God can protect us from anything, but through the interactions and decisions made by many different people in this story, I think that there's a lot that we can pull out of it. There's a lot that we can learn. So we're going to start in Daniel chapter 6, right off the top, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king could not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the, above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the entire realm. So Daniel has incredible influence in the nation of Babylon, and we get to see it again here in this story. We've been talking about this before, but when you're in tune with God, people are going to notice. People may respond favorably uh, to that standing out, or they might not. But it is in the standing out and the set-apartedness of Daniel that the flames of this story are essentially stoked. So the next verse, verse 4, says, The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. So the first point this week is character over charisma and trustworthiness over talent. Character over charisma and trustworthiness over talent. Yes, Daniel had influence due to what he was able to do over the years of his time in Babylon, but all the stories are rooted in his obedience to God, not his individual talents or his individual gifts. It wasn't about who Daniel was. It was all about who God was. A reality that we have to live with is that we bring what we bring to the table pales in comparison to what God brings to the table. And and understanding the truth that when we bring what we do have to the table and we allow it to be rooted in Christ, it will be multiplied. If it's rooted in self-gain or self-interest, it won't be multiplied. It will just be a simple human gift. But if it's rooted and founded in Jesus, then all of a sudden we'll see the gifts and the talents that we have multiplied by his power and his intentionality. It's absolutely incredible to watch God take what we have and multiply it. Daniel was being elevated because he elevated God with his life. And don't we want that to be said of us too? I know that I do. I want people to say, man, like 
it, there's there's no doubt. Evan Evan is is always talking about God. He's always talking about Jesus, and he's talking about how he gets the glory. and And maybe it's not even about using our words, but that our actions would would communicate that that we would walk life out in humility, understanding that we are just simple human beings. And Jesus is the creator of the universe, and we're going to lean into his power, not our own. The second point is this, is that jealousy and comparison never bear fruit. They keep trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But what we need to understand is that jealousy and comparison never bear fruit. These dudes were shady. (laughs) These dudes were unoriginal. And let's put aside the fact that they were never going to be Daniel just because they were not in tune with the creator of the universe, right? We're like, when we talk about that, like our gifts, our talents multiplied if we're in tune with Jesus, if we're in tune with God. Daniel was in tune with God. So, but let's just pretend that these were just men comparing themselves to another man, a man that was not in tune with God. This is the frustrating thing about looking at the humanity of this situation is that instead of working at becoming the best versions of themselves, they spent their energy and time tearing someone else down. And we do this so much as human beings. Man, I'm I'm yawning a lot this morning. I got to snag a drink of coffee here real quick. We do this so much. We do this so much as human beings. We say, oh, that person doesn't follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. Or that person's outside of the church, and at least my life doesn't look like that. And we spend so much time in judgment of other people, even even like church to church. Well, that church does worship wrong, or that church that they they preach their messages wrong, or or I don't like how how traditional that is, and I don't like how many lights in the fog machines at this one. I don't like the hype at this one. I don't like how simple it is. Like we always do that. We spend so much time trying to tear other people down instead of becoming the best versions of ourselves. God is not asking you to judge other people. He's asking you to be someone who is intentionally working at becoming a little bit more like him every single day. There's no fruit to be had in jealousy. There's no fruit to be had in comparison. Daniel was unconcerned with comparison, unconcerned with comparison. We should be like that too. What if we spent all the time and energy that we put into unproductive judgment into becoming more like Jesus ourselves? Man, that every time we're on TikTok or Instagram or we're on social media and we're like, man, look at them or I'm not them or whatever, the comparison game. What if we put our phones down and we just started becoming more like Jesus? We started praying. We started asking questions. We started reading our Bible instead. Like what would happen? I think that our lives would change significantly. The story goes on to say this in verses five through nine. It says, Then these men said, We will never find any charge against Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document. So that as a law of the Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict. The next point is this, is that power makes people do stupid things. Plain and simple. Power makes people do stupid things. Darius, unlike his predecessor, identified Daniel as being valuable. He saw him a part of the previous regime. He still identified him as being valuable, as still bringing something to the table. And he even seems like a decent dude who cares about others. And yet he finds himself salivating at the idea of people worshiping him. That these men come before him and say, we want you to write a written edict that says that people got to worship you for the next 30 days. And he 
gets on board with that. Power makes people do stupid things. When we seek recognition, we will find ourselves empty. That's a part of life. When we seek recognition, when that's what we're all about, recognition, we will find an empty life. But when we look at emptying our lives for the sake of Christ and for the sake of others, we will receive recognition. And it might not be recognition like we think it's going to be. It might not even be recognition on this side of heaven. The recognition that we'll receive is, well done, good and faithful servant. And isn't that the recognition that we really want, is to hear Jesus say at the end of the day, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 10 says, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. New circumstance, same posture. New circumstance, same posture. Daniel's situation did not determine his response. His response was always going to be the same, a life grounded and established in prayer and worship. It didn't matter the country. It didn't matter the position. It didn't matter the potential consequences. He was faithful to worship his king. A question that I think that we need to pose is, can we say the same? Is there anything in our lives that would deter us from following Jesus, that would deter us from from faithfully following Jesus? My hope for your life and, and my own is that we can say no. Like No matter what, we believe that Jesus is the answer. Nothing is going to deter us. But to find ourselves in a healthy enough place where we can say that confidently, with courage, we need to start building foundational disciplines. So here's another question. What disciplines are we establishing now that will never change? What disciplines are we establishing now that will never change? We will not automatically be who we hope to become, but we can start taking steps. Daniel wasn't born with devotion. He created rhythms that spurred him in prayer and worship no matter what. So what kind of rhythms are we establishing? What kind of disciplines are we establishing now that will never, ever change? I was having a conversation with a guy a couple weeks ago, um, 19 years old, and uh, has walked through a pretty crazy life up to this point. And, and one of the things that we talked about over coffee was he was just talking about how he's been fighting a pornography addiction for a significant period of time and that he has you know good weeks, bad weeks, all, everything in between. That's a part of my story too. And so we got into you know the nitty-gritty and talked about the, the psychological effects and all the different things that, that pornography can have on a person. And, man, it was just a deep, like, heartfelt honest conversation it was so so good and um he's 19 he's been he's been struggling with this for a couple of years and he's just like I just feel like this has been like such a huge part of my life and and one of the things that that I said to him that somebody said to me a long time ago was man if if you can get this under control now like if you can create disciplines in your life right now at 19 you have so much life ahead of you to watch a life without that kind of temptation, to watch a life, to grow in a life without that kind of addiction. I have walked with people who have had that same kind of addiction for 40, 50, 60 years, and it has ruined marriages, and it has ruined like relationships with kids and all of those kinds of things. So if you can get this under control now, you are in such a good spot. So for as a young adult community, would we ask ourselves the question continually, what disciplines am I establishing right now that will never change? What are the things that I will start now small that will lead to big, life-changing decisions? Daniel wasn't born with devotion. Daniel wasn't born a faithful follower of God. 
He created rhythms in his life. He created faithfulness in his life that no matter the circumstance, no matter what the consequence was, he knew what his response was going to be to anything. That prayer and worship of his king was first and foremost. Can we say the same? Verses 11 through 12 say, Then these men went out as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, As the law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands, and it is irrevocable. Man, the, the picture of Daniel imploring and petitioning God is powerful. They found him in a way that couldn't be described as anything basic or normal. Like, they, they showed up and there was something different about his posture. He wasn't just sitting, staring out the window. Like, there was something that he was doing where they could say, like, there is no question. He is praying. He is petitioning. He is imploring his God. Scripture makes it really clear that we're never, ever called to pray in a way that would draw attention to ourselves. But but a question that came to my mind was, if someone got to be a fly on the wall of my prayer life, how would it? How would they describe it? If, if someone got to be a fly on the wall of our prayer life, how would they describe it? My hope is that people wouldn't see apathy or disinterest or anything like that, but, but instead intentionality and engagement. And maybe it's not how we outwardly express our prayer, but how we internally express it. Are our prayers unconnected and passive, or are we imploring and petitioning God to move in our lives and the lives of the people around us? Like if people could actually see our thoughts or, or hear our prayers, if we could do the same in theirs, what would we see in this community? Would we see people who are just like throwing up flippant requests? Or are we people who are petitioning and imploring God to move in our lives and the lives of the people around us? Have you ever have you ever had somebody approach you about signing a petition like in a parking lot? So I've had it happen so much and one of the times that I had this happen, I was at the at the library here in Billings, and a couple years ago, there's lots of petitions to get uh, recreational marijuana legalized. And I was walking in, I was going to get a book for one of my kids, and I was walking into the library, and this guy walks up, and dude, this guy is sharp. Like this guy is, looks like a lawyer. Like in, so he walks up with a piece of paper. I'm like thinking I'm getting served or like sued. I don't know what I thought was going on. And, and he walked up and he's like, hey, do you smoke weed? And I was like, whoa, that was not the question that I thought I was going to hear coming out of your mouth. And he's like, dude, we need recreational marijuana. He like goes on this whole pitch. He's like, will you sign this petition? And I was like, no, man, sorry, I won't do that. And and I uh, head into the library, get the book. I'm walking out and he's like, hey, do you change your mind? Change your mind. Would you sign Would you sign this? And I was like, no, like I, I appreciate uh, your persistence, but no, I'm not going to sign that. And I get to the car and as I, as I get to the car, Larissa texts me and she goes, oh, I hate, I forgot to tell you. I have a book for pickup in the library too. Could you grab it? And so I was like, oh man. Okay. So I walk by the guy again. He's like, ah, Hey, there it is. Like you, you gonna, you gonna sign it. You change your mind. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I go back in the library, get the book, come out and I come out and he just gives me the biggest smile. He doesn't even say anything to me. He just smiles at me and looks at me and like, kind of like the questioning, like, ah, like, here we go. And I just said, have a great day, man. And walk by him. But sometimes I think that my prayer is just a single request to God. Lord, would you please, would you please do this? And I set it at the feet of the cross and I walk away. But I think that there's something about that idea of petitioning God, of being like this guy where, where every single day until something happens, that I would go before God and be like, hey, what about now? 
What are you doing now? I know you're going to show up. And my holy expectation isn't that you're going to do what I want you to do. My holy expectation is that you're just going to do something that you know is best for me and for the people around me or the people that I'm praying for, that I'm interceding for. But would we be people who are persistent petitioners? That we wouldn't put down our petition, that we would carry it to the cross every single moment, every single day, and just constantly bring it back and back and back. Let us be reckless in our petitioning of God that we would never, ever let our prayers die on simple, flippant prayers, but that we would implore God and that we would petition God. How we approach God matters. Hebrews tells us to come to the throne of grace boldly, Boldly, not meekly, not hesitantly, but come before the throne of grace boldly. So would we petition and implore on our behalf, the behalf of our family, the behalf of the people around us, would we petition for God to move in mighty, mighty ways? Verses 13 through 17 say, Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, always identified as an exile, he's ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went together to the king and said, You know, your majesty, that this is a law of the Medes and the Persians, and that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and the other signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. We're not going to hang out here for a really long time. and There's not really a huge sermon point, but if you're really about something, people will know. Darius says, Daniel, may the God whom you continually serve. There was no question who Daniel served, what Daniel was about. May the God whom you continually serve rescue you. Darius knew what Daniel was about. What do people know what we're about? Like, well, what are we about in the eyes of people? I think we need to ask ourselves the question, do they know that we serve a God? Like the God of Daniel? Do they know that we love people? Do they know that we serve people, that we're generous? Like, what do people know about us? What are we about? If we were to walk to a, into a group of people individually or collectively and say, what do you think I'm about? Or what do you think we as young adults are about? How would they answer? I think it, it matters what people would answer. That hopefully we have made impact on people enough that they would answer positively. Verse 18 says, Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. So talking about impact, that's our next point. Simply that. Impact. Daniel impacted the nation of Babylon by being an advisor to the kings, but he had obviously made a huge personal impact on King Darius. That this Judean exile, this outsider, was worth fasting for, was worth petitioning in his own way for, was worth losing sleep over. Do we understand that we're having an impact? For the good or the bad, we are having an impact. It probably isn't on a national level like Daniel, but we all carry impact on the people around us, on our workplaces, on our schools, on our families. What would happen if we started living like we actually believed that? That the words that we speak and the actions that we take do matter. Because the truth is that so many of us live like it doesn't. But it does. One action, one word could spur someone towards an eternal decision. We're never going to be somebody's savior, but we can love people towards the cross. We can love people towards Jesus. What we say, what we do matters. We have impact. Daniel impacted the ruler of the known world. We get a, a chance to impact the people around us too.
verses 19 through 23 says that the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they haven't harmed me for I was found innocent before him and also before you. Your majesty, I have done no harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he had trusted in his God. We serve a God of deliverance. A God of deliverance. Do we actually believe that, though? Do we believe that God is a God of deliverance? Do we believe that God is trustworthy enough? Do we believe that he will deliver us from whatever situation we find ourselves in right now or whatever situation might come up in the future? Do we believe that God is a God of deliverance? If I answer that question honestly, I would say sometimes. Sometimes I believe that. And that sometimes isn't based on whether he can, he can, but whether or not I believe that he will. And even in that, it wasn't it isn't because of who he is, it's because of who I am. I I don't believe that he will based on him. I believe whether or not he will based on me. Like too often I base the likelihood of God's deliverance on my habits instead of his holiness. Let me say that again. Too often I base the likelihood of God's deliverance on my habits instead of his holiness. God wants to deliver us. God wants to deliver me. He wants to deliver you. We just need to trust and surrender to being okay with whatever that deliverance might look like. Because it might not be what we expected. But we trust that he's a God of deliverance, and he's a God of healing, and he's a God of redemption, and he's a God who loves us. And what he has for us is better than anything that we could ever ask for or imagine. I want to close with the, the, the back end of the story. The passage is simply titled Darius honors God. And it says this, then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth. May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and he delivers. He performs signs and he performs wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. We serve a big God. And no matter what proximity we have, no matter what circumstance we're in, no matter what location we find ourselves, he's a God that is with us and he is a God that is for us. He's living and he endures forever his kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers and he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he will rescue us from the power of whatever enemy we face. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.